they were all the same. For me, not all of them. Huh? This camp you get more programs. So it's important while you're in these camps to have something to do. Right? That's the bottom line, or would you rather just lay in bed? What's hell no? What? From where? Like me. From challenges? You're stuck behind the walls. Well, you're behind the walls for a reason. Isn't that <laughs> it's like I mean, a jail. I mean, yeah. Aren't you no here for a reason? Like a Did you screw up somehow? Or do something that is not allowed? Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, to another Romeo Carey podcast. So this week takes us back to about 1995. Yeah, 1995. Sounds about right. I was doing a project for a organization, kind of like a nonprofit, and what they were doing was helping detention camps, and they invited some celebrities. These celebrities included, you know, NBA legends like Jamal Wilkes and Lucius Allen. It had the primary guest on this day was Penny Marshall. And for those of you who know Penny Marshall, Penny Marshall passed away in uh, 2018. She was an American actress, director, producer. She really came into notice in the 70s for her uh, her role as Laverne in the in the TV sitcom Laverne and Shirley and that ran a lot of years it was, it was like 70 76 through the early 80s and she got nominated for Golden Globes on multiple occasions best actress and Marshall made her directorial debut in Jumpin Jack Flash in about 19 86, I think it was 86, before she did Big. And Big is what launched Tom Hanks's career, and that was in 88. And it also became the first film directed by a woman to gross over a hundred million at the, you know, the domestic uh, U.S. box office. Her subsequent credits for directing was Awakenings. And Awakenings is interesting because Penny Marshall, I have, a, I have a connection to Penny Marshall. My father was an actor, she was an actress, and they knew each other. She used to call the house. And I'd pick up the phone and, you know, I'd say, hey, Penny, Penny Marshall's on the phone. I'm like, wait, that's Laverne. I see her on TV. And Laverne wanted him on a, one of the shows. You know, I think she directed some of the episodes. In this particular episode, she called my dad, Timothy Carey, a well-known, you know, actor, you know, to be a guest, a special guest star. And turns out he goes and he gets the part and he went in for a rehearsal. And I don't remember the guy's name right now, but Squiggy, one of the characters who just, I think he passed away just recently, uh, said if he, if Timothy Carey works in this film, this was after their rehearsal, if he works in this film, I quit. And so they, he couldn't, he couldn't be in Laverne and Shirley. He got paid. They had to pay him because he was under contract, but Squiggy got Timothy Carey nixed from an episode of Laverne and Shirley. My dad didn't really mind. He didn't even know what happened. All he knew was they got a phone call. He said, well, what's the problem? It turns out, I can't remember the guy's name. He was like, uh, 
kind of like a you know just a nobody actor but i'm sure it was it was it was a common it was kind of a common event where people would get angry with my dad when they're going through rehearsal because they just didn't understand what he was doing in terms of acting they took it as an affront they took it as an assault they took it as disrespectful they took it as a lot of things but they didn't they didn't treat it like wow this guy's obviously they want him he's a special you know special guest star they want him for what he does but he wasn't you know squiggy wasn't interested in what he does most likely because he knew that he was going to be upstaged and actors don't want to be upstaged so in any event um, a couple years later we get a call and it's uh penny marshall again they want my father for awakenings and awakenings you know turns out to be like her third big film and this one's going to be starring robin williams and uh, and the big star in this is robert de niro and Penny wanted my father to play one of the doctors. Then they changed their mind. They wanted him to play one of the nutty, nutty guys in the uh, in the uh, in the insane asylum. And my dad says, "No, not gonna." I remember seeing the script thrown into the trash can. So that that was that was that. I think Max van Max van Sydow played that part. I'm not sure who played his part anymore, but had a lot of interesting people in that film. It had a uh, Vin Diesel, Vincent Pastoria, you know, years later in the in the 90s shooting Penny Marshall. And I I just got hired to do this behind the scenes documentary of her going into a juvenile camp. And this juvenile camp was huge. It was up in California in Laverne around San Dimas that area. And it was this huge camp with I don't know how many people they had in there, but it was it was it was big. It was a juvenile camp. And she came in with a couple guys from from South Central, and they were going to do a celebrity kind of fundraiser for the camp. And so here I am, meeting Penny Marshall, and you know, in the flesh, I feel kind of, I feel the only thing I, I feel a little uh, reticent about was I, I should have told her who I was. I never said, hey, my dad's Timothy Carey. I could have gotten some really good response out of her. It would have been great. I just don't know why I didn't say it. Just I spent, you know at least a couple hours with her and I just didn't didn't bother I just was the invisible cameraman following her around and so here it is Penny Marshall and you gotta you gotta love Penny Marshall for this because here she is she doesn't have to be out helping people someone who really needs her help you know juveniles more than anything need you know they need some encouragement they need someone to come and talk to them they're locked up and they're they're the most vulnerable and the most potentially capable that you know somebody with the right words can unfreeze a thousand winters and here she is instead of living the life of luxury she's out schlepping around to uh, juvenile camps to talk to juveniles and to give them some hope and some inspiration so i mean that really shows who penny marshall really what she's made of and and what a what a tribute to her her willingness to give and her altruism her her real state of mind so without further ado, I give you Penny Marshall. Take it away, Penny. And actually, her real name, her born name, was Carol Penny Marshall. Take it away, Carol Penny.
Hi, I got a bad finger. Uh, it's it's four oh, yeah. no. The piece that you, the piece that you looked at. What piece? The video that you. I looked at the video. Okay, you're gonna do the opening. What is the opening? You're gonna say something. I'm Penny Marshall. What you're about to see. What we're doing. Something to the extent of literature. Yeah, I need a little. You need something? Yeah. Let's go up to the room. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, how you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna get Terry. Let me let Terry. Okay. <laughs> Nice to meet you. You and I've got torn ligaments here. Well, welcome. Thank you. Chris, this is our holiday mess. I don't usually look like this. So. Did you guys decide uh, what you want to do? I'm going to go up into the room. Yeah. In room two. To room we're going to walk through the dorm and then we're going to yeah. give it something real simple to say. Welcome to our house. Time. Yeah, I know. That's why I said in and out. Um. It's like item by item deal here. You know, Christmas time. What happens is we get a lot of stuff that we don't allow in the population. But what I do is we give it all out at Christmas, and they usually play with things, and they usually mess up stuff, and then they usually abuse it somehow. Then we pick it all up and we send it home to their parents for the most part. But what they'll get from us for Christmas is lotion, shampoo, ball games, checker games, uh, soaps, things like that. Um, but Chris. The holiday time, you know, we basically put out most of the stuff. Like I tell, I tell you, I do, I do a hat. They wear beanies. We get beanies. We get baseball hats. You'll see the ones that I have here for leadership type of a deal. But yeah, if I no, guess, I had just given him a bunch of hats that I pinned down that are all baseball. Oh, well, I'm in another class. Oh, well, well one thing that we do, we give everything out at the holidays, like I say. Mm -hmm. And and the, I'll tell you the unique thing that happens if I give. A kid will get one of these new basketballs um, on Christmas. You know what he'll do with it? He, he won't play with it on Sunday, because I've seen it for 28 years. On Sundays, when his parents come, he'll send it home to usually a little brother or little yeah, sister yeah, yeah. and say, would you, you know, like that he's got something to give them. So they'll take these. That's why we give it all out. They'll take it, and then I know what happens with most of it. They usually will want it from their own. And then the stuff they do utilize, for instance, checkers. They can have their checker games till they touch one. Okay, you can go I think I'm just going to put them around. Oh, you need to see yeah. Can, can we pull them? Okay. Can we do that? Yeah. Right? Okay. 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 Work with, um, Hello, Wolf. Can we get those together? I don't think so. Come on through. Okay. This is Cookie. Thank you. <laughs> I have Larry Bird magic labs, and I got a just follow me, I'll kind of walk us through here, so. 
Bart, we're going to be in room two, Mr. Bart. We'll be in room two out. Will we get ahead of us? Yeah. You know what? Uh, I worked here. I, I grew up in, this, in my business. This was home for me. That's why my heart's here, but I've worked all over the county in 28 years. It used to be Orange Grove all the way down the hill, 80s, early 80s and stuff. got a lot of housing Yeah. But can you imagine what a lot of these guys, when they turn that corner and start driving up the hill and they look where they're going and they go like, oh, okay. So they see all these homes and stuff and then they end up up here kind of with us. So. Yeah, but this isn't bad. But yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm a... I grew up myself in the East LA area, you know, and I know it for a fact that it isn't about punishing these guys, and it isn't about uh, the way they've been brought up. Tough. They've been brought up having to ask questions. They've been brought up doing things. The idea that they don't have any freedom is probably the worst thing. And I believe in garbage in, garbage out. So we do a lot of programming here. I have, uh, you know, all the wife. Um, Wednesday, I have Senator Bob Marquette coming here, and um, Walter Allen, who's the head of the California Youth Authority, to kind of look around. And I'm hoping that it's uh, to give some ideas. Because these guys are. We're going to go right up here, and then we're going to go down to room two. It's. Um, We have uh, 4,000 juveniles. We have 2,000. There's 120 here. There's 120 across the street. There are 2,000 in the camps. And there's 2,000 in juvenile halls. So people, most people don't realize the number of people, juveniles, that are incarcerated seven days a week, 24-7. It runs about 4,000 and some change which is way too much. Yeah. Way, way and if there's no programs to help them right. when they go out, what's the point? Right, right. So, it's called and I know that's why you're here, because we're about programs to help them when they go out. Um, it's coffee. Uh, you know, he may be, I'm not sure. I just, because I was just the other way there. Uh, this, one of the programs that we had here, money to pay for some instruction. We got a, a teacher, construction teacher, 15 of my kids. This was a foundry class. They built all the cubicles. They put all the flooring in. They this was 15 of our kids and one teacher. Um, that someone stepped up and said, you know what, I'll front the money for the teacher. Yeah, yeah. and he did. And uh, actually on Wednesday, I think what he's going to do is, is um, I've got matching funds. We're going to do a barbering course to, with our county towards licensing. Um, we work with handicapped children, which is one of the courses that we run here. I've got seven kids that go to the El Camino School. I'm severely handicapped, living in machines that they feed them and put them in the bus. On Fridays, they go down to a, a retirement home down the hill that's a fairly upscale retirement home. And they you have work. only boys here? I have only boys here. There's one girls' camp, one and a half girls' camp. Their camp Scott that's over in um, San Fernando Valley area, mm -hmm. and then the camp. But the girls are increasing dramatically, mm -hmm. and uh, I 
there are 18 other facilities similar to mine. You know, they vary. So we're constantly chasing programs. You know, Wayne's yeah, that's been. That's why it's so far. If you have it, yeah, yeah. That's what it seems they need. Yeah, and and that's really what we've been all about, basically, from square one. I've been at this facility for six years, and um, it's about finding people that get. Wayne's loud. That's all right. Wayne's always here. You know, he does the, the, the thing that people don't realize. We do this part of the, the thing to try to bring people on board with what we're doing and get exposure because the kids, they recognize you. They recognize celebrities. They listen to, they listen to people that they've seen in print. But Wayne also comes up here on Wednesday. And he's got 10 of them, 15 of my kids over here, and they sit here and they work on literature. They work on reading. They work, you know, that's what it's all about. Now, that's, to me, the best part of everything, but it's not the exposure and stuff. It's that come every Wednesday, grab those 15 kids, bring right. them in here, sit so down, teach um, them to read, teach them to write. Consistency. Right, right. And that's where all this like. comes down to, is what do we do consistently for these guys and show an interest in them, you know. Give them some tools to work with when they get out, you know, and, and we've done a decent job, you know, but we're never going to do, in my, I, I will never be 100% satisfied, and I, I don't think you would be 100% satisfied, because uh, the day that comes with me, I wouldn't have a job, no, but I would be happy, happy to walk away, walk away I would be happy to walk away, but unfortunately, no one's got the perfect magic pill, but reading, writing, vocational skills, uh, someone that they look up to to spend some time with them to say hey you know i care about you i'm not here to give you a handout i'm here to give you a hand up you know i'm going to show you and the reality is most of the folks that have come in and spent time with our kids you know they didn't just arrive to where they were you know they had their knocks and they had their uh, what ages do you have i have uh, 13 to 18 once in a while a 19 year old and when they come in at 13 around what reading age what reading level you know, they, they're all over the scale because I will have an 18-year-old reading at a lower level than a 13-year-old. Um, what we do do here, we have a, a program called Operation Read, and we take the bottom 30% of our readers in the entire population, and we privately tutor them through Operation Read. Now, that's a program in all 19 facilities. It's a very good program. The, the, the current acting chief, Paul, he does, like, he's real big on education. He's real big on expanding the, these types of opportunities for the kids. So we take that target population and we give them private tutoring on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, how um, much do they come up with? We've been, the, the actuarials yeah. we've done on it have shown the kids will come one or two reading levels up. And that's in a short window. That's yeah. with like 40 hours of tutoring. They'll rise up mm -hmm. one or two grade levels. Um, what we What I've talked with Wayne about doing is we have a concentration with people that don't read. Mm -hmm. That middle group, the one that have some tools, but not enough tools where they're comfortable, mm -hmm. um, where they're able to sit down and communicate and fill out a job application mm -hmm. and conduct an interview, you know, um, that's a group Wayne's pulling some of them and talking to them and trying to take them to just another level. So wherever we get the young man, no matter yeah. what, we want to design something that makes him walk out of here with, with more tools. Yes, so. and to be a useful part of society and to have a life. To have a life. That That's right. Sense. That's right. And, and uh, we do a great job here, I think, 
where we hurt is we were putting a lot of these guys back into the same community. We're putting mm-hmm. them back in sometimes the same home, sometimes a very good home, sometimes not a very good home. And tying those ends together with a transition of a young man from this place where he's gotten some concentrated effort to out there in the community, which I know Wayne is involved in, that's, that's a key to us because if there's somebody out there that says, hey, call me, hey, I'm there, you know, here's some resources for you, here's some places you can go, you know, then we're more successful, you know. When they're here, uh, you'll meet some of my guys here, you know, they, they, they're pretty nice guys, you know, and they usually take care of business in this setting, but they get an intense concentration of people around them and they get people that care about them, and they perform. Yeah. But sometimes they go back out there, and the people that they think care about them are gang members. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, are, you, have you read about that guy? Uh, what's his name? Canada somebody? In, in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Greg Canada? Canada. Guy. He, he, he was involved in 8 million different things of trying to raise, you know, help the kids uh, out and help the neighborhoods out. Been part of everything, he said. And no matter from wherever, from Pittsburgh, with all the highest money that they gave him to have right. this many, 40, like 460 kids graduate, it's nothing. Right. You know, I mean, there's too many kids. Right. You right. know, and so what he started doing was he, at first he took a 30 block area in Harlem because he thought it starts from the whole community. Not just the kids, but if the parents are whack, then they're in that same environment. Right. So right. he had a, ra- a raffle, he got, the, you know, like a kindergarten and a sixth grade thing. And he's trying to, he knocked on every door and offered groceries, rent, anything. Get your kids in. Because it has to come from the entire neighborhood. Now he's going to a 60 brother. Right. Like, what will happen? We don't know. But he feels it all has to change. Right. right. Because the kids who get it come out, you know, they get, you know, they're back in the same situation. You're but he's exactly trying in his right. way to take over and building a school, or you know, a, a, what they call a pilot school or pilot. And, pilot um, project, and you know that's what and he's got a bill. I mean, and he's trying very hard. A friend of mine in New York who got a lot of money, he, I, he said, ah, I sold the house. And he, I said, Give the furniture to this place, you'll get a deduction. They'll need every table, every chair. They're furnishing offices, they're furnishing school, you know, they need it. What are you, what are you going to do with it? Right, you take the stuff, you, know, and, you don't want it. You know, we what you're you've hit something on the head here because. What we are doing here now, we're building that pilot, meeting with Chico and stuff. Um, big organizations like the military, you know, you ask somebody to do something, it takes 10 million miles of red tape. Yeah. What we have done here time and time again is we build it and then show people what we have. We built this room and then invited the senator back. You know, we uh, will do these things here and then invite people to see what we've done. And they tend to give a life of their own. That's how our projects work. But when we have ever tried to uh, fill out the forms, cross the T's, dot the I's, so we'd like to do this, we'd like to do that. Yeah, a In a big organization, it's hard. So uh, we try to be astute enough to, to do those things, but we establish something and then tell someone, come and see what we do. 
come and see the facility like yourself taking the time up here. Come and see what's here, see the faces, see that they're not just names, they're faces, they're kids, they come from our community, and talk with them. And generally, it gets a life, but if it's good, it grows a life of its own. And we've been fortunate here. We've had a lot, lot of time. So I mean, here you that you could have gotten in probably not seven times, but we'll let you go and then we'll have a place for and I just told my husband, they said, let me clean out. What are you doing? You spring clean. Let's bring the stuff over here. Yeah, there are people yeah, who don't have yeah. shirt. Yeah. Have I said, you're not going to, you know, like it blew up. It's not in style. Right. Yeah, I said, just bring We it have all style here because we yeah. all wear the same Well, you have uniforms, but yeah. I grew up in, you know, That's places right. that wore uniforms. And, you know, and it's to keep everyone on an even keel because they're rich and they're very poor. So you just right. equalize it. That's right. But I'm saying, take kids who aren't incarcerated. And families, I said, yeah, I'm like, this was, well, do they need pots and bags? I said, yeah, they need everything. Yeah. So just say, drop it off by house. Chief comes to the same, takes it down. Takes care of it. And whatever the people could use. That's why I was saying, I have yeah. that. But when they thousands of baseball care for whether they're basketball or whatever. I you know what? I, I, you know how you do with the guys here? When I have one for everybody, they're always passable. If I got 50 of them, I usually have a problem. Yeah. Okay, well, I got 120, I say, okay, I can take care of all 120. You tell me how many there yeah. are, and I'll There's get There's 120 them. of them here, but um, that's what we're going to build here. Warriors are good guys. Poetry. They worked with them for a whole semester, went over there, performed it at the auditorium, second time they've done it. You know the auditorium was standing room only of students, and we took our guys, we took their parents. Who's that? What's that thing I had downloaded? It was on the computer, the internet, actually. It's a play that in every school, gum. That writer wrote it. I gave it to you. Bang, bang, you're dead. Oh. Yeah. It was after all those school shootings. Yeah. Yeah. A guy wrote this letter. And it's free. It's downloaded. You could put your kids to perform it. And it's what okay. happens when you pick on a kid. Yeah. Why that kid acts the way he does. Yeah, I like the information on it. And um, I, I gave you a cassette. Yes, I did. I don't want to see it. It goes into your black hole and it never comes out. <laughs> but you can download It's called Bang Bang Your Head. And if you could download the entire play, and they do it in every high school, because it needs to be done. We have students. And this is what the on result on. of that is, and how the, the, it happened at all the colleges. And we have the professionals from the college, yeah, in, but from the arts, that will get work. script of this off the internet. And they'll let and you reproduce it. They'll let you print it, and I have it on I'm doing that. You know what, I don't want to take, I know you want to talk to some kids a little bit. 
and uh, I don't have the script. I have the thing that these two kids put on. What am I doing? You're gonna you're gonna gonna you want me to write it out for you? Let me just see. Give me a clue. Right. I just yeah. got off a plane yesterday. Oh, <laughs> Mexico, actually. Well, you know what? Can can I? I know these guys know sure. who you are, but you mind if I introduce you guys? Yeah. Those of you that are here, um, this is Miss Penny Marshall. I'm sure many of you probably recognize her. Oh, she, yeah. <laughs> She is up here basically working with Wayne Wilson and Life on Purpose on the Literacy Project with Mr. Wilson. And going to ad-lib, actually going to take a couple moments and talk to you guys a little bit. They wanted to do some filming. I think Chico might want to say something about what the project's all about. And basically to put a face to some of the things that go on. Oh, bitter. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very cheap. Ten bucks. Okay, but it's impressive. Um, you know uh, the Charles Freewell? Yeah, you know, on his shoes, he has rims because that's what he makes. And so I, they got him, made me a pair of shoes with my name on with rims. And so I was downtown in LA, and um, apparently, <laughs> so I had to get one. So it's just free when it came to town. So it's just locked. So it opens. You gotta <coughs> pop it open. You know, but it wasn't, it's not real, it's not gold, it's not diamonds, it's, but it looks cool. So, 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 I'm Penny Marshall, I'm from, where's my hat, the Bronx, New York, that's where I grew up. And, um, it wasn't a bad place when I was growing up, but it got bad, worse and worse as life went on. And, um. So, but I came from the streets. I'm not someone who came from up there. I've done very well for myself. I was a television actress on the Burning Shirley for many years. And then I went into directing movies. I didn't ask to. I was just sort of responsible enough. This is the way I talk. I don't have a big range. I'm not going to be playing Shakespeare or anywhere. This is how I talk. But I directed some films. I don't know how they're big. Bridget alone. Um, Renaissance Man, which they hope you get the gun to watch because that's good Preacher's Travel. Preacher's Wife. Um, and, you know, riding cars with boys. You know, Awakenings, which was drama. And so, but I don't know how many movies you went to or what you were busy doing for any time. But they were on television a lot. So, <laughs> find a channel. So, what's your name? Dejan. Dejan, where are you from? In LA. LA, and where you, what happened? What did you do? I just got in a little trouble. A little trouble? Yeah. You? What's your name? Chris. Chris? You're from L.A. too? Everyone? Oh, you're from L.A.? So no. Where, who's not? Pomona. Compton. Compton. He's from Compton. Where are you from? Long Beach. Long Beach. L.A. Compton. 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 How many Comptons? Let's just go like that. Do you, did you all know each other in Compton? No, no to each other. How many LA? Did you all know each other? Yeah. You seen them? But you weren't involved with each other. Anyone involved from Long Beach? Just you. You're from Long Beach too? Did you know that? See, do you talk to each other? I never thought it was a Huh? 
pass state regents exam. Or you can't get into college. Or you could get your GED if you have less. And those are the hardest tests I took ever in my life. Harder than any college. Once you're in college, you're in terms of four years of English, one test, four years of history, one test, compared to the whole state. And that's yeah, what you had to do to graduate. But the importance of when you're coming in to a place like this and the um, program that we have, which is, you know, you know, on the computer to upgrade your educational level so you have a choice and get some kind of education. Yes, you could learn a trade. You can learn, you've got to be able to read a sign. You've got to be able to read a book. You can learn a lot like that. And once you get your grade, you know, your level of reading up and your level of education, and when you go down, there's a place for you to continue that on because you're not allowed back in public school. Is that correct? Huh? Depends. Depends what the offense is. Okay, because those who aren't allowed, there is a place where you can still get a, your GED. Yeah. You do a GED over here too. You do it here too. Yeah. Well, this is with help. Yeah. High school diploma here. And do any of you feel that's important to your life? It's very important. Back there, who's got nothing from that? <laughs> What's your problem, Ed? Huh? She's a high school graduate. You're, you graduated high school. And there, from here or from that before? No, I graduated from here. You graduated from here? From another camp. How many camps have you been in? Four. From what age? So from 16 to 18, so. And, but before that, you were all supposed to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or get caught. Which one? <laughs> Cheating is an art form. <laughs> At least you took the effort to call him for crypt treats, you know. I don't mean that crypt. I mean. <laughs> I'm talking about when you're writing an answer. At least that takes an effort. Better than going, huh, don't eat it. There's an effort put forth, because something matters. You want to do well. And so, what? Let me look at the... Let me let Chico. Guys, you got to go Chico. What's up, guys? Y'all know me? Yeah. I've been here a couple of times. Yeah, she got to do some reading over there, do some stuff she's doing. Um, and I said, y'all, to see before I've been to prison and all that stuff. I've been to juvenile camps, and I graduated and went to the federal institution for 10 years. So I know where y'all coming from. I'm going to say today, I want to enlighten you on what to do when you come home for the ones who got two weeks left, three weeks, because it's, it's hard when you come home because you're going to find yourself involved in a lot of activities that don't go on in here. And you know what I mean, drive-bys and all that stuff. And it's so easy for you to get caught right back up and come right back here. Especially, you know, right now in Compton, Watts, Long Beach, it's a little racial thing going on. And for real, y'all got to squash it here before you get back on the streets because I do go like to all the high schools in Compton and talk about the racial problem that's going on. And, it's, and, and to me, it's not racial, it's just some ignorance because, you know, people come from jail thinking they know, okay, they just jump right into it and talk about, oh, man, I don't like this person because he's black, I don't like him because he's Mexican, I don't like him because he's white. But it's a way bigger picture than that, and you, you have to understand before you even come to the street because people are losing their life over that stuff right now. 
And so you have to get it together right here. Don't go, you know, when you get home and you want to just jump in on it. Man, it's my hood. I'm going to die for it. Come on, you know, it's not even about that no more, man. We got to educate ourselves and really feel good about when we come home. Because when I came home, everybody was telling me I'm, you know, gangbanging, I'm going to go back to prison and all that stuff. But that didn't happen. I changed my lifestyle, changed everything I do about my life. And you see who I hang with now and you see a lot of stuff that I do is because it changed the way I talk, the way I look, everything about me. I changed because I didn't want to go back and do 10, 20 more years in prison because I know, you know, like I said, you're 18. I think I've been gangbanging since I was 12 and, you know, got shot when I was 12, all that stuff. I mean, y'all don't want y'all to go through that stuff and then graduate and then go into one of the penitentiaries and you got to all fight, you got to go through all kinds of stuff, man. It ain't even worth it because you come out there the bottom line, you're going to get your education here, or you're going to get an education outside, or you're going to get somebody's penitentiary trying to get an education. Because from a street education to an education that's going to help you further your life and further your career, you're going to have to do it somewhere. Because if you don't have an education, once you get back out of the street, if you don't know nothing, don't have no kind of trade, don't have no kind of education, then you're going to have to go rob somebody. Once you rob somebody, then that's when they're going to grab you. Or, you know, not even rob, kill somebody. Then you're going to get grabbed up and get a life sentence. And the only one really hurting is not even going to be you. Because you're somewhere in somebody's prison or you're somewhere dead. It's your parents that's going to hurt more than anything. Your mother and your father is the one going to have to work it every day thinking about, man, how do I let my kid die in the middle of the street at 15 years old? My kid is dead. Or 18 years old, my kid is dead. Or my kid got a life sentence. And it's your mother and your father who's going to work for the rest of their life. And that's the one who's really hurt inside. Because you already know what you're going to do. You're going to handle your time and stuff. But your parents don't know what's going on in here. They don't know what's going on inside that prison. Only you that's going on in your life. And that's the person who hurts the most. It's your parents. It's not even about you no more. So you to make your parents happy, you got to live your life straight and make and live a straight life. Because they're the one who's dying, worrying. Because I just see a lot of my friends who got killed. How their mothers just deteriorated because of all the stuff they had to go through. Because their son died in the middle of the street. Within the 10 or 15 years, the parents died because they worried about that kid so much. But their little 16-year-old boy died in the middle of the street. The same street that dogs walk on, same street that cars walk on, and everything that goes on the street, that young boy got shot in the middle of the street because of their ignorance of gangbanging and doing all the other stuff that y'all think is cool right now. This is, um, y'all have any questions? We're going to be Penny back up. And I, you know, I'm going to come, like, last time I said, I <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some, you know, some people we can't say read it because they can't read. They don't like it's like a foreign object to them. If you give them a script to read, and the way people write, that's the best thing for us to think about. <laughs> so, where are you going to be? You're going to be behind me shooting. I'm thinking you should be here. I think it won't matter. It's, it's better there in the background. Yeah. So why don't you come behind me? Yeah. <laughs> so I could put this here and see. <laughs> oh, you're right there. Um, come behind there. Can we move this chair out of the way? I'd probably. You like it? I'd probably take it out of the way. It looks like someone's missing. Yeah. Oh, you got to speak. Wait a minute. You got to speak into the camera. Right. So James, speak into the camera. Okay, let's shoot it both ways. Let's try it this way. Let's try so having you sit here. down first. Where are you going to cut? Yeah. I like that. That's exactly. Tell her so she can leave that on her. So if you cut above the paper. Um, yeah. I'll cheat it out. I'll cut it as wide as I could. I'll, I've got it w Just open. Tell me if the paper's out. I've got it all the way wide. This is a nice yeah, shot. Is this in? It's not in the shot. Okay, it's that's what we're in. Cutting it. 
right. and you're you're above this too, yeah. right? No, that's why I've got it. I've got it white. Now you're, you're, you're gleaming. It's done in the sunlight. Perfect. All right, right. We're anytime we're ready. Five, Hi. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Penny Marshall. I'm an ambassador for Life on Purpose. We all know the importance of literacy. Well, our program here helps these kids here live up to their potential of literacy. So when they can get out, that they become useful parts of our society. Play, let's get out of here. That was good, though. That was very nice. Ixne under orde. Okay, in five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Penny Marshall, Ambassador for Life on Purpose. Shit. Sorry. Any celebrity we ever shot usually takes seven times to get right. That's okay. So you're, you're in good I'm not awake yet. <laughs> I got off a plane yesterday. Okay. Anytime you're ready. Ready. Hi, I'm Penny Marshall, an Ambassador for Life on Purpose. We all know the importance of literacy in our lives. Well, I'm here on behalf of Life on Purpose to help these kids get a chance to learn so they could live up to their potential. That's what Life on Purpose is about. Great. That's really good. See, if I put it in the Yeah, that's cool. You like that? That was good. You get out, man. Yeah. most powerful woman in New York in the book thing. She's a book reviewer. Pulitzer Prize winning book reviewer. I call them book reports because I'm like, doing your book reports. Yeah, I gotta read these books. And she works very hard and she won a Pulitzer Prize. Now, she doesn't leave her house. She has her own problems. Everyone has problems. She's agoraphobic. She stays in the house. She's afraid her picture will be seen. People will get mad at her because she's hated because she can make her break the book. And she's not doing it out of any personal issue. She's reading the book and doing what her opinion is and what her job is. But that's just a friend of mine who I don't read her book reviews. I've never read her book reviews. I don't read book reviews. I read books, but I like her as a friend. That's what I'm saying. That I don't care what people do, where they came from, or what their past was, how they treat me. And how we relate as people is what counts to me. So that's someone I've never read a thing she wrote. <laughs> so, and Chico, who has had a whole different life, I don't care. But he's doing that. 
And um, and I knew some people that he knew back east. And they said, oh, he's a real deal. I said, hey, you know, real deal of what? You know, he said time, and he's not doing that deal anymore. So um, I'm just saying this, this program that they have, would you be interested in it? Up in your, getting your education while you're here. What do you do while you're here? But what, that's all you do is read? No, I did. Well, is there a time you get up? Yeah. Did they wake you up? Yeah. And what do you do? Wash uh, Then what do you do? And? Go to school. For how many hours? Four or five hours. Then you go to lunch? And then what do you do? Do you any work? Then depends if people are work crews. Ah, what kind of work crews are there? Well, there's move crew program where we go out and help out um, disabled kids. Mm -hmm. On Fridays, we go help out um, the elderly and the old folks home. Mm -hmm. And we have a work, work crew program where we clean up the camp, you know, get them done. And made some, some people make this room. So do you find any sense of, I mean, I'm sure some of you would rather be doing whatever you were doing before. You gotta make the best of it while but you, while you're here, yeah. is there anything that touches you when you go see these kids who are, you know, disabled? For me, I feel good because I know that, you know, at least I'm not in their position, not in the bad way, but you know. And they're fighting yeah, for they're every fighting moment for and every breath or every exactly. footstep they take. And they're not giving up. Yeah. You know, do you go work with them? Work crew? And you don't like that that much. <laughs> You're outside. <laughs> Are you allowed to play sports at all? Yeah, we play everything. We just started a program. We just started a program today. Yeah, but what? Doing rec. Doing rec? Okay. But do you play team sports? Yeah, you play, we play basketball, 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 basketball tennis ball, football. What was that third one? We play tennis ball. Tennis. <laughs> I heard something else. Um, so you just work. What do you do? You do on your own work detail or you go to school? You don't do nothing. That's all day long. You just sit. You go to school. Do you learn anything? Yeah, but I'm a transfer. You just transferred from another camp? Yeah. Or you're going to be transferred? No, I just did. And how was Rocky? Right. Just like all camps. So they're all the same? For me, all of them. Has anyone like been in? Program, huh? This camp you get more programs. So it's important time. while you're in these camps to have something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the bottom line, or would you rather just let so it be? Yeah. You know, yeah. busy, make our time go by quick. What's hell no? What? From where? From Challenger? And you're like that one. 
You're stuck behind the walls. Well, yeah, well, you're behind the walls for a reason. Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> it's like I a jail. Mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Aren't you no here for a reason? Like a Did you screw up somehow? <laughs> or do something that is not allowed? Huh? You're talking about challenges. And so do you write letters or what do you do? Yes. Matt, you write class when you all have class season right here. You're acting like street. you're here. This is boring. This is nothing. But you're here because of some reason, which you seem to forget. And the process <laughs> of it all, whether you agree or you just say, oh, well, I just got caught. Now, that's unfortunate. I, yeah, the other guy got away, but I got caught. You're here for a reason, man. And why not make the best of the situation? That's why you're supposed to get in programs to make your time go faster. All right. Yeah, do something. Learn something while you're here, other than keeping the same attitude that you had that got you in here. It's going to just get you back, or in a worse place. You're 18 now. Where are you going next? Down. That's fun, isn't it? No, that's not fun. to the state. Not just the county. And the younger kids, the juvies, I heard the juvie system, because I was going to do a program called Numbers, that it's one of the worst systems in the nation. It's California juvenile. Youth authority. No, where there's no bail. No bail, no time served, no anything. You get shoved in there and wait. And that's pretty bad. And that just hardens you. But you all did something. I'm not even going to ask. Doesn't matter. No. But don't do it again. <laughs> stupid. So perhaps, or don't put it in the same place. But, you know, you've got to get caught. And then you're here. So you should learn from the experience. And one of the messages we try to get you guys to see is this is the last stop. From here you go see why what she's talking about. There is no place where you have swimming pools and clubs and programs and people coming up here trying to put stuff into your life. This is it. Like you said, you miss CYA by that much? That much is over, son. This is it now. So while we're here, we don't want you just to do time, because one of the biggest problems here is the recidivism rate, is you guys are going out and coming back in. But the reason you're going out and coming back in is because when you're in, you're not doing nothing productive with your time. So if all you do is serve time, but you don't change nothing on the inside, you can only go back and do what you did before. So here, that's why we bring you scuba diving programs, one-word workshops. That's why we're doing celebrities for literacy and take you to games and stuff because we're trying to put some different stuff in you. So when you get back out, now you have some options. So not coming back. Or do you think, oh, well, this is just a favor. They're doing us taking to this game. We're just doing this. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Huh? Come on, speak up back there, attitude. You know. And how much after a month do you have to be here? Six more months. So. Two years. And what do you, when you get out, what are you going to think? If you, if you get out and say nothing happens during this incarceration, um, and you get out and don't have to go to big boys jail, um, what do you plan on doing? Okay, so you have a thought. 
that you'd like to do something other than what? Huh? Gangbang. Yeah, some of them are more than gangbang. No, so, I mean, so that's a step forward. Do you understand that? Now, some of you may think that's the coolest life. These are my friends. This is my family. That's all I want. How many of your friends, I don't know how many, I'm not going to say, but how many of you have friends who died or have gotten killed? You're lucky, huh? By our family members. You're not dead, you're here. So far. So you all know that. Now are they better off? Yeah. Being dead? <laughs> I mean, in a better place, you know. Are they? <laughs> what are they gonna do? They're down there, they're they're dead. What better place than this? Than than life. And to have the equipment to learn, do some, be partake in life. Don't you ever, do you have a kid? No, I don't. Would you ever want to have a child? Yeah, later on. Well, no, but you can't do that when you're dead. <laughs> can you? Unless you freeze it and put it in one of those banks or something. <laughs> so, I mean, there is something worth living for in life. Experience it. But love. You guys know Maybe. Andy that was here now. He was in the scuba diving program with us. He's on out now. He got out, and Andy is now being certified as a scuba diver. So once he got and out, there is a way to make, make living. Pick him up and continue. Now he's going to get certified. Scuba divers start at one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. But like a lot of you say, he would have never learned if he didn't have an opportunity here. And that's what we're trying to tell you. All these programs, yours may not be scuba diving or something, but there's something here you need to on purpose try to latch on to. So when you get out there, you're in a better position. So now we're getting him in a mentoring program, getting working, getting him a car, we're getting him certified as a scuba diver. So now at least when it comes out, he has a start. I don't know if that's going to last forever, but he has a start. He doesn't have to go back and just go to the neighborhood. He can say, hey, now I'm going to a place called home, and they're getting me in some programs, they're getting me certified as a scuba diver. He has some, some help on the outside. And that's part of what our program is, why we bring Chico in here. And he brings celebrities in here because we want you to know that we're not just coming in here throwing stuff at you while you're here. We have a program so that when you leave out of here, then you come to Chico's program on the outside. So we can get your G, we can get your high school diploma. We can get you in mentoring programs with HBO and Warner Brother. We can get you certified. Um, Mike, who was in the Gangster and I program, just showed me his new car. You see this car? Yeah, he got, got a job him. from the program. He did. Yeah, got, got him an apprenticeship program. He said, hey, you remember that apprenticeship program Chico introduced? He said, I feel like, I want you to see my new car. I was so proud of that young man. Got brand new uh, shit. Um, 300 Chrysler. 300 Chrysler. He had nothing. Chico was saving his life. Now he's driving, working. The same story we want for you guys. At least the opportunity. Because if you don't believe that life is worth living or there's a purpose to your life, then, you know, then you shouldn't even be here. It sure is. You can't help. But there are things that are a lot of fun and um, that make you feel good other than. But you really never know what you have and what's in store for you. Because I, I, before I even met Dina, I used to go to the games all the time. She takes me to all the magazines. But when I was out doing wrong stuff, like selling drugs and stuff, I used to go to the game when I did illegal stuff to go to the game. Change my life around, do all positive stuff, and she invited me to go to the game and sit with her at the game. So all the legal stuff I was doing to get the ticket and just stopped that, went to prison, stopped doing this legal, illegal stuff. Turned my life around, I got meet Penny. I don't even have to do that stuff, and I sit on the front row with her. 
and all the stuff I did to buy the season tickets when I was doing wrong, and it cost me to go to prison. You know, I like man, I, I take a look at that and I say, man, change my life around. Everything else around you start changing. Your surrounding, the people you hang with, you staying with all gang members, Crips, Bloods, you know. And they, and I look at them now, and they really want to change their life. They just don't know how to go about it and do it. Cause they all the time I see them, they say, well, Chico, what you do? What did you do? How did you change your life? I changed my life because, and the reason I changed my life and how it was so easy for me, because I, I was never going to be a follower to nobody. Because all Crips and Bloods and Hispanic gang members, you all follow. Every time you leave, there's somebody's footsteps that you want to be there. Tookie and them, Tookie, Stanley, and, and, and what you call them, we started with Crips and Bloods. You all followed their footsteps, and I no longer wanted to be a follower to nobody. So I led my own way and wanted to change my own life. Regardless of what anybody said about me, I changed because I wanted to. Not that nobody wanted me. But that's what you have to do. You got to take some like, responsibility of what you did in your life, even the, the, whatever you did now. Because if you guys saw a TV show the other day, I was on it, and I admitted everything that I did, and I took the responsibility of all the wrong things I did to change my life around. And it's simple, too. Once you get it, you, you got to get it. Like, man, you know, you can go fool everybody. You can go to the courtroom and tell the judge you didn't do it and all that stuff, because I did it. I did I, I, I didn't do it, and I won a case a couple of years back catch the same case. You know what I'm saying? I beat the system a couple of times. But in the long run, it catch up with you. And you got to admit to the stuff that you did to yourself, man. You know what? He's not doing it to me. He was one of the best guys to have. You know, he was Attorney Jones. To have on the movie. He had more class than some of that we were shooting in a Fort Jackson Army base in South Carolina. Um, and he had more class than a major there. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't let it get to him. Yeah, army stuff, but some of the guys were great. And um, so I get called because he had gone to jail. He was in the street gang. But he also, you know, you know he's not that now. And he has a help, uh, foundation that helped Chico's foundation. And I'm not saying, hey, I know Chico. Yeah, they don't care. My people don't care. But I know people who can help him with what he's trying to do. These Memphis basketball players, they come from Compton. They're from Riverside. Yeah. yeah. They're from LA, East LA. And they got a break. And it's what they do with it. They get to go to all these contracts and they're, they're gone. They have no money. Because they got their posse. They got the this. Yeah, they don't know. They're... <laughs> They don't have that. Now they're drafting with 18, man. They have no education. And it's a different uh, ball game, actually. It's, but, I mean, it's hard. It's work. It's a job. It's responsibility. You cannot throw a plate. You will get fined. You know, you have to know that's the force of what work is. It's, it's work. But if you get to do something you really like, marine biology, whatever else it is, you want to, what do you want to you know, have any idea? I didn't know what your intent was. Uh, I wanted to be a fireman. Fireman? I couldn't work him again. Oh, yeah. FDNY guy. Oh, yeah. Who was in 9-11. Who was actually did that 9-11 documentary. Did they get to watch that? That was on CBS. They were these two French guys and a fireman that were doing the life of a probie, which is the beginning probationary fireman. And they were doing a life on him. Nothing had happened for months. It's like a cooking show at the firehouse. <laughs> yeah, basically, more chat with the firehouse. And then they went out on a run, a gas leak, and then boom, those planes came. 
and they got the first shot of the airplane going into the building in the World Trade Center. And they dug, you know, they all went and got, uh, you know, they, one of them, uh, Paul's father dug out, you know, the chaplains of the firefighters. And 343 of those guys died in 9-11. They were going in while trying to get the people out. And they were digging, digging for the brothers, you know, for months afterward. Now, these are guys who do good, you know, they don't get a lot of money. They got cut on their pensions. They're closing down firehouses in New York. 1,400 of the surviving guys who dug down there have some form of cancer now. Mike has asthma, diabetes, got a corona, got a cough now. I mean, that's uh, Paul's father dug out. You know, the chaplains of the firefighters. And 343 of those guys died in 9-11. They were going in while trying to get the people out. And they were digging digging for the brothers, you know, for months afterward. Now, these are guys who do good, in my opinion. you know, they don't get a lot of money. They got cut on their pensions. They're closing down firehouses in New York. 1,400 of the surviving guys who dug down there have some form of cancer now. Mike has asthma, diabetes, got a corona, got a cough now. I mean, that's... Hello, my name is Wayne C. I'm the co-founder and spokesman of Black and Hope. We are the advocates for student self-employment and campus policy. We're excited about this opportunity to make this presentation to our ambassador Kenyon Wilson at the Thank it is pitiful, it is not right for America that over 60% of the children in the fourth grade from impoverished families cannot read. And we need to do something about it in America. Mr. XO, yes, sir. From our leadership, nice meeting you. And the second in command, XO, nice meeting you guys. Keep those guys under control. We get to see what a lot of people doing all this talk, talk, talk about kids, but ain't nobody up here. They don't never come. The ones that do, you really can't tell. You guys check in. All of you guys up there. And like Burn I said, the, the difference really sometimes is just coming. Mm -hmm. These kids know us because they know every week mm -hmm. we're going to be here. That's right. They're they working hard. And I see, here's so the, they only have two years. But here, this is, this, is the, this is the point of urgency. Juvenile camps, 30 days. I mean, juvenile hall. Uh -huh. Here, they got 14, 18 months. Mm -hmm. After that, it's CYA. There's no coming back. This is the last environment for turning them around. This is it. All right, gentlemen, how are you? Stop. People don't know that. This is the last time. If we don't get these kids here now, when they get to CYA, forget about them. They're getting ready to join 160,000 other kids in adult prison. Yeah. There is no program that fits. You don't get this atmosphere. You don't get fresh air, mountains, swimming pools. Mm -hmm. When you get to CYA, it's pretty much protect yourself. Get in there and stay away from everybody. Exactly. We're here. You can sit down with a book. You got people coming in bringing programs, scuba diving, welding. Here's where we have to reach the kids right here. This is the last fertile soil that we have, and that's my message to everybody. But you've got to come see it, which is why I wanted you guys to come up to the camp. If you don't come up here and see it, 
then it's just somebody telling you about diabetes, somebody telling you about lupus, somebody telling you about prison, somebody telling you about... No, no, you need to come up here and see these kids. This is your nephew, your niece, your no. cousin. your neighbor. This is your neighbor. I'm with the L.A. County uh, Probation Department, and I'm the Bureau Chief. Uh, I oversee uh, 19 uh, probation facilities. That's uh, 18 camps. Approximately 2,100 kids in our uh, 19 facilities. And uh, of that number, approximately one-third read below the fourth grade level. Uh, and our kids uh, range from 12 to 18 years of age. Uh, we're very pleased to uh, have this opportunity to work with Life on Purpose to provide these kids uh, a service that they uh, certainly uh, deserve and are in, in need of. It's going to take uh, hard work. Uh, but it's going to be a, a joint effort. Um, the probation department, uh, government can only provide so much. Uh, we need additional resources. Uh, we need partners who are willing to uh, assist us in this endeavor and who appreciate uh, the importance of, of doing so. Uh, we, cer we certainly can't do it alone. The program that we have developed for Life on Purpose to be implemented through the program Celebrities for Literacy will assure that students lacking in their reading skills will become literate, comfortable readers in a short 10-week period of time. We work with three different companies providing to the kid an assessment program on a computer that lets us measure what he does not know about English and then automatically create for that student a prescription based on what he needs in order to improve and repair the literacy pieces that he's missing in his script. We do this in the visual end using the visograph, the way we can tell visually what his cameras are doing when they try to load his brain with the symbols in order to read what he sees on the page, and we can snap a picture of that at a moment in time to see where he is today, so that when we measure him again in six weeks or three weeks or one week, we can tell what the improvement's been or what we need to do to change the program. We also measure him auditorily and then measure those skills in terms of auditory skills as to what we need to load the kid with is a progression of skills in order to improve the way he can decode properly. We also then work with literacy as a communication unit with comprehension skills and make sure the student can understand what he sees on the page. And all of this is done in a prescriptive manner where we can see and show the teachers and the parents and the administrators and the funding people what we're doing at each step of the way. We get a snapshot of what the student doesn't know in the beginning. We get pieces of stuff all the way through to show his improvement. At the end of the program, in how many weeks? Ten weeks. We can then show you improvement in terms of this student's literacy program because of the time he spent working with it. I mean, it's great. Like, Penny Marshall, I'm going to kick my hat off to her because, you know, I said, you know, we need to give a big fundraiser. It just came to me. I got these people. Esquire want to give me this house. I got these other people want to, you know, go pay for everything. And I put everything together, and it, we didn't have to, you know, it was just great. And Penny said, why, why, why don't we just give my birthday party as our fundraiser? And I was like, that's just, I just, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> so, you know, everything just worked its way out. I'm talking about people are stepping up. It's really, really, really stepping up. Like, you really never know um, the thought 
that people really think uh, that, you know, if you think that you can do this and just put your mindset together, it really can be done. You know, like a lot of times I'll be saying to myself, well, you know, we're going to build us a university, but it can really be done. And we get our kids, like the kids that's involved in here, little mistakes. I mean, I made big mistakes and I'm out of prison and I'm, you know, I'm just going straight ahead and there's no turning back. Hi, my name is Jackie Bakagaria from the Staples Center Foundation. And we receive many, many proposals regarding many worthy charities throughout Los Angeles. And it's one thing to read about them on paper, and it's another thing to come up and see them firsthand. Uh, we are pleased to be a part of Life on Purpose to come up here and help with the literacy program, to help the, the young adults uh, learn to read, learn to get back on track, and anything we can do um, as part of the Staples Center Foundation, we will do. Uh, we represent Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. These kids come from all over that area. Uh, they may be up here now, but they may be back in our neighborhood soon. So whatever we can do, um, coming up here and seeing the camp firsthand, um, stepping on the grounds, seeing what it can do and how it can help, um, makes us want to reach out even more. I'm proud to be here, and I'm proud to be part of Life on Purpose. Camps have been in existence since 1930, the 1930s, but the emphasis really has to change now to the academic and vocational learning of these kids and the literacy of these kids. Otherwise, we'll be churning out kids that will end up in the California Youth Authority and ultimately state prison. If we can teach literacy to the kids, if we can show them, you know, what can be accomplished through literacy, then the rest is a done deal, you know. And uh, Wayne and Chico, they've been real good. They, they have a young man that comes up here and has brought scuba lessons to the camp, and we've taken about a dozen of these kids through their first part of scuba training and staff members and he's got little videos on this that they've never, probably would never have this opportunity, you know. And I told them that we would have some celebrities here today that you probably wouldn't be meeting with them today, but that you were up here because you were concerned for them and you were concerned about sending a message to them, a positive message to them about, you know, what literacy is about, what it can do for them. Celebrities, uh, uh, people that have uh, received a certain level of notoriety uh, have come to our facilities. Uh, the kids are um, very excited and very receptive to hear the message that they have. Uh, they look up to these celebrities. They, uh, they respect what they have to say. Uh, and it's, uh, it's good to see that, that there are celebrities who are interested in working with, with our kids. But for a few breaks here and there for a person or a mentor in their life, you know, that's where they made that step off, you know, from from going life downhill, life crime, all that, to life of maybe seeing what they give back to their fellow man, you know. And you guys being here today, that's just part, part. I know you got business schedules. I know there's a million other things that you could do. So uh, to have it in your heart is real special to me. And, and I know you're going to be busy. We're going to bring 15 of our kids in here that we picked out so you, to chat with. Um, we will work, Chico, you know, around anybody's schedule, night, day, mid. They want to come at 2 o'clock in the morning. We will create the audience for them and the place to do what we need to do because um, it's been my experience with these kids. They, they listen to people that they admire and have known. They, see, they put them on pedestals, and sometimes that they find out that that person, you know, they didn't just arrive, you know. They didn't arrive a pro basketball player. They didn't arrive. They usually came from the beginnings that were tough, and they usually had a few bumps in the road along the way, you know. 
And what I've seen is it's been successful. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's here every week. But by the way, as you know, he does a literacy program here every week. It's not about stars and shows. It's about taking 10, 15 of my kids. They sit right down here and they talk about reading and literacy and writing. And, and that's a, there's no glory in that. There's a lot of glory in it. I mean, it's the greatest stuff. But it isn't a high profile deal. And it's that commitment. More so than almost anything else to say, I'm here weekly for these kids. They know next week I'll be here. They know we're going to sit down and talk about A to Z, you know. And so uh, it's very selective, and you know that. we've been the, the things that we have picked up in here have been through people that have been very, very consistent with it. This is a community that we are a part of, and we have a problem that nobody's going to help us with, but we can do something ourselves. We have a literacy program that can change the mechanics of reading which is going to impact the lives of all these people that get a chance to utilize this program. For the NBA retired players, this is the perfect opportunity for us to step into the community because we know when we step in there, we bring value in the sense of validity, meaning that these kids, they relate to basketball players. They listen to us. And if we can get them to listen, to learn how to read, that's what's going to make their lives a lot better and it certainly fulfills my ambition of getting back and giving back to the community. It's important for me to be here because it's very rare that you have a chance to really make a difference. And I know there are a lot of great causes out there, but as a father of three, uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, our youth understand that, that they can fail without being failures, that they can lose without being losers. And I think this reading opportunity here is real critical in that process. And I think if it starts here, it can reach out beyond, and there's some tremendous role models involved in this that uh, the kids will listen to. There's a tremendous rare opportunity here that I urge you to come up and visit if your schedule allows it, and if you, can't, if you cannot personally come up, please consider uh, contributing toward this very worthwhile cause. Uh, they come from dysfunctional fam families, uh, abusive families, it's not to say that they haven't committed a crime, I and mean, we recognize that. And we also recognize that they probably need to be removed from, from the community for a period of time. Uh, but during that period of time, while we have them uh, as a captive audience, uh, gives us an opportunity to change their lives, to, to impact their, uh, their lives, to give them some tools that will enable them to return to the community in, in a better position uh, to... Uh, to be successful and, and the bottom line, uh, to remain uh, free from a, a, a life of crime. And I think that's, that's important to all of us. Uh, and I, I think if we can accomplish that, then I, I think uh, uh, we can be proud of, of what we've done uh, as a team. You know, when I first told my guys at the camp about the Celebrities for Literacy after school program, they wondered if you even knew they were here, wondered if you even cared about them. Well, you know, I told them that every celebrity has to give the appearance of caring. It's good for their image. But I told them also that the only way they would ever know who really cares is that in a time of absolute crisis, make the call. See who shows up. This is that call. We hope you show up. I told them you would. Senior, the I'm the co-founder and spokesman of Life in Purpose. 
we the advocates for food stuff in We're excited about this opportunity to make this presentation. So I invite you to pay more attention it is pitiful, it is not right for America that over 60% of the children in the fourth grade from impoverished families cannot read. And we need to do something about it in America. Mr. XO, yes, sir. Leadership, nice meeting you. And the second in command, XO, nice meeting you guys. Keep those guys under control. We get to see what a lot of people doing all this talk, talk, talk about kids, but ain't nobody up here. They don't never come. The ones that do, you really can't tell. You guys check in. All of you guys up there. And like Burn I said, the, the difference really sometimes is just coming. Amen. These kids know us because they know every week mm -hmm. we're going to be here. Right. Yeah, they're they working hard. And I see, here's so the, they only have two years. Here. But here, this, is, this, is the, this is the point of urgency. Juvenile camps, 30 days. I mean, juvenile hall. Uh -huh. Here, they got 14, 18 months. Mm -hmm. After that, it's CYA. There's no coming back. This is the last environment for turning them around. This is it. Right, gentlemen, how are you? People don't know that. This is the last time. We don't get these kids here now. When they get to CYA, forget about them. They're getting ready to join 160,000 other kids in the dark prison. There is no program that fit. You don't get this atmosphere. You don't get fresh air, mountains, swimming pool. When you get to CYA, it's pretty much protect yourself. Get in there and stay away from everybody. Exactly. We're here. You can sit down with a book. You got people coming in bringing programs, scuba diving, welding. Here's where we have to reach the kids right here. This is the last fertile soil that we have, and that's my message to everybody. But you've got to come see it, which is why I wanted you guys to come up to the camp. If you don't come up here and see it, then it's just somebody telling you about diabetes, somebody telling you about lupus, somebody telling you about prison, somebody telling you about... No, no, you need to come up here and see these kids. This is your nephew, your niece, your cousin. No, your neighbor. This is your neighbor. I'm with the L.A. County uh, Probation Department, and I'm the Bureau Chief. Uh, I oversee uh, 19... Uh, probation facilities, that's uh, 18 camps. Approximately 2,100 kids in our uh, 19 facilities. And uh, of that number, approximately one-third uh, read below the fourth grade level. Uh, and our kids uh, range from 12 to 18 years of age. Uh, we're very pleased to uh, have this opportunity to work with Life on Purpose to provide these kids uh, a service that they uh, certainly uh, deserve and are in, in need of. It's going to take uh, hard work, uh, but it's going to be a, a joint effort. Um, the probation department, uh, government can only provide so much. Uh, we need additional resources. Uh, we need partners who are willing to uh, assist us in this endeavor and who appreciate uh, the importance of, of doing so. Uh, we, cer we certainly can't do it alone. The program that we have developed for Life on Purpose to be implemented through the program Celebrities for Literacy will assure that students lacking in their reading skills will become literate, comfortable readers in a short 10-week period of time. We work with three different companies providing to the kids an assessment program on the computer it lets us measure what he does not know about English. And then automatically create for that student a prescription based on what he needs 
called to improve and repair the literacy pieces that he's missing in his book. We do this in the visual end using the visigraph, the way we can tell visually what his cameras are doing when they try to load his brain with the symbols in order to read what he sees on the page, and we can snap a picture of that at a moment in time to see where he is today, so that when we measure him again in six weeks or three weeks or one week, we can tell what the improvement's been or what we need to do to change the program. We also measure him auditorily and then measure those skills in terms of auditory skills as to what we need to load the kid with is a progression of skills in order to improve the way he can be played properly. We also then work with literacy as a communication unit with comprehension skills and make sure the student can understand what he sees on the page. And all of this is done in a prescriptive manner where we can see and show the teachers and the parents and the administrators and the funding people what we're doing every step of the way. We get a snapshot of what the student doesn't know in the beginning. We get pieces of stuff all the way through to show his improvement. And at the end of the program, in how many weeks? Ten weeks. We can then show you improvement in terms of this student's literacy program because of the time he's spent working with it. I mean, it's great. Like, Penny Marshall, I'm going to kick my hat, go off to her because, you know, I said, you know, we need to give a big fundraiser. It just came to me. I got these people. Esquire want to give me this house. I got these other people want to, you know, go pay for everything. And I put everything together and it, we didn't have to, you know, it was just great. And Penny said, why, why, why don't we just give my birthday party as our fundraiser? And I was like, that's just, I just, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> so, you know, everything just worked its way out. I'm talking about people are stepping up, really, really, really stepping up. Like you really never know um, the thought that people really think uh, that, you know, if you think that you can do this and just put your mindset together, it really can be done. You know, like a lot of times I'll be saying to myself, well, you know, we're going to build us a university, but it can really be done. And we get our kids, like the kids that's involved in here, little mistakes. I mean, I made big mistakes, and I'm out of prison, and I'm, you know, I'm just going straight ahead, and there's no turning back. Hi, my name's Jackie Bakagaria from the Staples Center Foundation, and we receive many, many proposals regarding many worthy charities throughout Los Angeles. And it's one thing to read about them on paper, and it's another thing to come up and see them firsthand. Uh, we are pleased to be a part of Life on Purpose to come up here and help with the literacy program, to help the, the young adults uh, learn to read, learn to get back on track, and anything we can do um, as part of the Staples Center Foundation, we will do. Uh, we represent Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. These kids come from all over that area. Uh, they may be up here now, but they may be back in our neighborhood soon. So whatever we can do, um, coming up here and seeing the camp firsthand, um, stepping on the grounds, seeing what it can do and how it can help um, makes us want to reach out even more. I'm proud to be here, and I'm proud to be part of Life on Purpose. Camps have been in existence since 1930, the 1930s, but the emphasis really has to change now to the academic and vocational learning of these kids and the literacy of these kids. Otherwise, we'll be churning out kids that will end up in the California Youth Authority and ultimately state prison. If we can teach literacy to the kids, if we can show them, you know, what can be accomplished through literacy, then the rest is a done deal, you know, and uh, Wayne and Chico, they've been real good. They, they have a young man that comes up here and has brought scuba lessons to the camp, and we've taken 
about a dozen of these kids through their first part of scuba training and staff members. And he's got little videos on this that they've never, probably would never have this opportunity, you know. And I told him that we would have some celebrities here today that you probably wouldn't be meeting with them today, but that you were up here because you were concerned for them and you were concerned about sending a message to them, a positive message to them about, you know, what literacy is about, what it can do for them. Celebrities, uh, 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 people that have uh, received a certain level of notoriety uh, have come to our facilities. Uh, the kids are um, very excited and very receptive to hear the message that they have. Uh, they look up to these celebrities. They, uh, they respect what they have to say. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's good to see that, that there are celebrities who are interested in working with, with our kids. But for a few breaks here and there, for a, a person or a mentor in their life, you know, that's where they made that step off, you know, from, from going life downhill, life crime, and all that, to life of maybe seeing what they give back to their fellow man, you know. And you guys being here today, that's just part, part. I know you've got busy schedules. I know there's a million other things that you could do, so... Uh, to have it in your heart is real special to me. And, and I know you're going to be busy. We're going to bring 15 of our kids in here that we picked out so you to chat with. Um, we will work, Chico, you know, around anybody's schedule. Night, day, mid. They want to come at 2 o'clock in the morning. We will create the audience for them in the place to do what we need to do. Because um, it's been my experience with these kids. They, they listen to people that they admire and have known they see, they put them on pedestals, and sometimes that they find out that that person, you know, they didn't just arrive, you know, they didn't arrive a pro basketball player. They didn't arrive. They usually came from the beginnings that were tough, and they usually had a few bumps in the road along the way, you know. And what I've seen is a lot of bumps along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's here every week, but by the way, so you know. He does a literacy program here every week. It's not about stars and shows. It's about taking 10, 15 of my kids. They sit right down here and they talk about reading and literacy and writing. And, and that's a, there's no glory in that. There's a lot of glory in it. I mean, it's great stuff, but it isn't a high profile deal. And it's that commitment, more so than almost anything else, to say, I'm here weekly for these kids. They know next week I'll be here. They know we're going to sit down and talk about A to Z, you know. And so... Uh, it's very selective, and you know that we've been the, the things that we have picked up in here have been through people that have been very, very consistent with it. This is a community that we are a part of, and we have a problem that nobody's going to help us with, but we can do something ourselves. We have a literacy program that can change the mechanics of reading, which is going to impact the lives of all these people that get a chance to utilize this program. For the NBA retired players, this is the perfect opportunity for us to step into the community because we know when we step in there, we bring value in the sense of validity, meaning that these kids, they relate to basketball players. They listen to us. And if we can get them to listen, to learn how to read, that's what's going to make their lives a lot better. And it certainly fulfills my ambition of getting back and giving back to the community. It's important for me to be here because it's very rare that you have a chance to really make a difference. And I know there are a lot of great causes out there, but as a father of three, uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, our youth understand that, that they can fail without being failures, that they can lose without being losers. And I think this reading opportunity here is real critical 
in that process. And, and I think if it starts here, it can reach out beyond, and there's some tremendous role models involved in this that uh, the kids will listen to. There's a tremendous rare opportunity here that I urge you to come up and visit if your schedule allows it, and if you, can't, if you cannot personally come up, please consider uh, contributing toward this very worthwhile cause. Uh, they come from dysfunctional fam families, uh, abusive families. It's not to say that they haven't committed a crime, I and mean, we recognize that, and we also recognize that they probably need to be removed from, from the community for a period of time. Uh, but during that period of time, while we have them uh, as a captive audience, uh, gives us an opportunity to change their lives, to, to impact their, uh, their lives, to give them some tools that will enable them to return to the community in, in a better position uh, to, uh, to be successful and, in the bottom line, uh, to remain uh, from, uh, free from a, a, a life of crime. And I think that's, that's important to all of us. Uh, and I, I think if we can accomplish that, then I, I think uh, uh, we can be proud of, of what we've done uh, as a team. You know, when I first told my guys at the camp about the Celebrities for Literacy after school program, they wondered if you even knew they were here, wondered if you even cared about them. Well, you know, I told them that every celebrity has to give the appearance of caring. It's good for their image. But I told them also that the only way they would ever know who really cares is that in a time of absolute crisis, make the call. See who shows up. This is that call. We hope you show up. I told them you would.